You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome in episode 36 of the Brutally Honest Sports Podcast. My name is Dan Kurtz, and I'm joined by my co-host, the man of the myth, always a legend, Aaron Riley. Aaron, we're back after a nice little break here. Uh, playoffs weekend, playoff uh, cut off a hot week of division round playoffs. Uh, we got a bunch of storylines, including both the Jets and the Eagles coaching searches. Yes, the Jets have hired a coach. Yes, I'm cautiously optimistic about it. Will it blow up in my face? Maybe, but for now, the fan base and myself are optimistic. Aaron, We'll get into the Eagles' decisions, um, who they're interviewing, who they could potentially hire, get into the end of Doug Peterson era, get all the behind-the-scenes stuff with that. We'll get into some playoff games as well as Deshaun Watson and the deteriorating situation uh, in Houston. But, Aaron, how are you tonight? And hopefully all is well with you, my friend. Yeah, yeah, excited to, uh, you know, get into another weekend of, of playoff football. You know, one more one more weekend closer to the, to the, big, the big game and then, you know, uh, it's it's exciting times. I would I guess I would say for uh, for Eagles fans and and obviously I would say Jets fans right now. But it's oh, yeah. just uh, it's a whirlwind. It's just definitely a whirlwind of a uh, bunch of things going on and, and a bunch of moving pieces all over the place for uh, for the organizations. A lot of moving pieces, but the two folks you can rely on are the boys at Blue Down Sports, and we will get into today's topics, folks. And now for today's topics. All right, coming off of NFL Divisional Weekend, uh, the NFL called Wildcard Weekend Super Wildcard Weekend, so I guess you could call it Super uh, Divisional Round Weekend or whatever you want to call it. Uh, either way, it was super. The games were pretty legit. Um, you had Mahomes battling Baker until he went out. You had Brady and Breeze. You had Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. You had Rodgers shitting on the Rams. Um, Aaron, let's, let's start in Kansas City um, with the man. And Patrick Mahomes um, obviously gets hurt in that that Browns game. Um, they had a pretty comfortable lead, obviously with Chad Henney in there. Chad Henney, anything is possible. Anything is possible, but um, the Browns <laughs> made it interesting. Um, the Chiefs ended up pulling out by a close margin, but obviously not the main storyline this week leading into their AFC Championship game with the Bills. Um, Lamar Jackson goes down. Um, I think it was what the third quarter, like second quarter, maybe like kind of early on. Like there was a, a lot of meat on that bone to, to say, to throw out a metaphor there for the rest of the game when he went out. But um, going through concussion protocol now, um, I guess all the reports are that they're not really sure if he's going to be able to play this week. And you have some dopes in the media like Colin Coward saying the game should be postponed if Mahomes <laughs> can back not play. Um, it's an absolute what a joke. joke. Uh, to me, like, it's Patrick Mahomes, face of the franchise, face of the league probably. Uh, I think they'll find a way to maybe – slide this past a doctor or two and uh, ensure he passes all his tests leading into this weekend. What do you think about that? I think uh, just I'll, I'll make a comment on, on Colin's comment. I think that's absurd. Oh, yeah. Like what, what uh, you know, the, would Sam Darnold get a pass? Would even Brady, like, I, well, maybe Brady because of the league. <laughs> role, the league and the, he would and certainly get a pass. But it's just like to make us, I didn't even hear that. So Dan, uh, Dan, Definitely outdoing the research department this week, you know, per usual. But that's uh, that's absolutely like hysterical to say. Like, if, if if hypothetically he wouldn't go, like, to postpone the game, like, what kind of bullshit is that? Like, that right. just makes absolutely no sense to me. But you know, Colin How Coward is—it's not the first time he's made no sense to me, and I'm sure he'll do it again. Um, 
but yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think he'll, he'll play. I, you know, maybe he won't be thus the Patrick Mahomes that we're used to seeing. He might be a little decreased in, uh, in ability just, I mean, coming off a concussion, that's pretty rough, but um, you know, I, I think he'll play at least most of the game. I would say, you know, pretty much the whole game. If he starts, I think he's, he'll be in there. And I think, you know, by, by game time, they'll, they'll have him ready to play and, and they'll be all right. Um, I was really, really hoping the Browns would pull that out. Uh, you know, I thought, you know, going into the fourth quarter, they had a really good shot and just kind of wavered under the pressure. I, uh, you know, Dan and I have, have different opinions on Baker Mayfield a little bit, but I think, granted, the, the, the situation, like uh, first time in the playoffs and things, I think he, he played really well. I, I just – at the same time, you know, he did have his chances, but, um, you know, not to take anything away from, you know, Chad Henney, which is, like, almost funny to say, but a uh, guy made plays when it mattered. And that run was actually, like, insane. I thought he was going to get a concussion the way he's running full speed. <laughs> I thought somebody was going to clock him. I was like, holy shit. But, yeah, uh, it was an exciting game, and, and Cleveland definitely made it a game. I thought early that it might get ugly. It was, like, Kansas City really had no trouble moving the field moving down the field on Cleveland's defense, which I, I figured would be the case, but uh, actually turned into a hell of a game. And, and, you know, my, my hat's off to the chiefs. They did, they did pull it out even with uh, Chad Henney running the show. Yeah. I think if you're uh, honestly a, a Cleveland Browns fan, that was probably worst case scenario for you in that <laughs> if, I, if I'm going into that game as a Browns fan, the only way I think my team's coming out with a W is if Patrick Mahomes gets hurt. <laughs> and for him to actually get hurt and miss a decent chunk of that game and for them to lose on a fourth and one play from fucking Chad Henney, uh, who's been in the league for, you know, 50 years at this point, it feels like it's, it's honestly just a kick in the nuts and uh, probably the, the beginning of a very long off season for, for Browns fans. But certainly uh, I don't think you can take anything away from their season. It, it, I know Aaron mentioned my kind of qualms with Baker Mayfield a minute ago. I, I don't think he is – you know, a, a bona fide franchise quarterback. I, d I do think he did enough um, to get that team in a position to win. Obviously, uh, you know, Kansas City's a juggernaut. They've been a juggernaut for the past, you know, three or four years, even before Mahomes was there. They'll be a juggernaut, you know, as long as Andy Reid and Mahomes are dialing plays up back there. Um, to me, it's kind of like the start, hopefully, to them, um, you know, kind of being a prominent franchise. And we touched on it a few podcasts ago when, you know, they got to 10 wins and, and beat the Steelers in week 17 that, you know, they're on the road and, and building something special. Kevin Stefanski probably going to get coach of the year. Um, I know they got a first-year GM as well. So, um, and they have, they have a couple decisions to make on Baker as well. He'll be up for his fifth-year option this offseason. Um, so, do you, you know, if you're, if you're the Browns, are you con completely convinced that he's the guy? Do you go ahead and exercise that option and, and pay the man $25 million and then, you know, hopefully sign him to a deal probably – you know, maybe 25 to 30 million. I'd probably think that's a going rate right now for an, you know, quote unquote franchise quarterback. So they have some, some decisions to make. Obviously, if you pay a guy like that, you're going to lose some cap space elsewhere. Um, maybe lose it on the offensive line where I feel like they've spent a million first round picks on in the past five to six years. And it's certainly worked since they have, in my opinion, pound for pound, the best offensive line in the league. Um, obviously have two great running backs and Nick Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt, but, yeah, I think, like I said, it's just honestly another kick in the nuts to, to the Browns fans and that organization to lose in that fashion. But I think you have to give credit where credit is due. Um, that fourth and one play to, to seal the win was an absolute ballsy call. Everyone, including Tony Romo, was screaming that they were going to call a timeout. Um, needless to say, out of the shotgun formation, fourth and one, Chad Hank dials it up and hits Tyree Kill. So, at that point, you have to chalk it up to just being outcoached uh, and maybe out-strategized on that play. But, hey, um, I, I can't really say anything to Browns fans. You guys made the playoffs. You guys got double-digit wins. And I really think that um, hopefully for you guys, knock on wood, this is the, the start of something special here uh, to come down the line in the next few seasons. Yeah, I think you, know, you, summed that up. you summed that up really well. I think um, if you look at Cleveland as an organization, they've – tremendously improved in just the last couple of seasons. I think, you know, Freddie Kitchens was a, an absolute disaster. Um, you kind of saw how the team played with him. And then, you know, Stefanski, it, it seems to be like, you know, I, I try not to get, you know, over, you know, excited before, you know, there's uh, years of at least proven success, that type of thing. But uh, I just think, I think he's the guy. I mean, if you're looking at it, 
just this season to be in that division with, with Pittsburgh. You know, granted, Pittsburgh fell on its face in the playoffs, but they had a good record during the regular season. And Baltimore, obviously, always a always a contending team the last, you know, three, four years since Lamar's been there. So um, to, to squeak, squeeze in that playoffs, the, the playoff race, and, and really to give the, the Chiefs a, a run for their money, you know, till the till late in the fourth quarter. I think, you know, you you got to tip your cap to the to the Browns on the season they did have. What they do have going there, I think they've structured the team really well. Um, I don't know how long they'll be able to keep how long they'll be able to keep all these uh, weapons locked down as far as you know contracts and, and things of that nature. But um, I, I like what they're doing. I think they're they at least have a plan in place where before it was always year to year, year to year, year to year, decade to decade with that team and. It, and they could never even figure out how to, to compete for the division. So I say you at least, you know, keep going the way you are. I would say, you know, keep keep Baker Mayfield there at least for a couple more years. Uh, I don't know if I I don't know if I'd sign him like long term, long term. I like the guy a lot. Yeah, that's, that's I, what I was gonna ask you. I was I was you know, gonna see what your kind of take was on on his second contract with them. I think. Like if I if I'm the Cleveland Browns, um, I'm signing him like three years. Uh, you know, I, obviously it's going to be a huge amount of money regardless. Um, if he would hit the market, he would be. I think he would get paid very well. I mean, this is the same league that paid Kirk Cousins a shit ton of money, and that guy can't never play. So um, <laughs> I, I look at it like I I think you you sign him two to three years, um, reevaluate it then. I'd say three years is probably the same bet. I think. And everything like that, he can play, and I, I think he's very effective. Um, it's just you know to go into every you know you're looking at it. You got to go up against Kansas City every year if it, if you make the playoffs. That, that's just I don't know who you got to put back there to beat Mahomes, but yeah. there's very few guys. So I, I think you at least roll with the hot hand. I think Baker Mayfield is the hot hand right now. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't jump to to sign him for like seventy years. I think that would be a probably a mistake. But a three, four year contract, I wouldn't really have a problem with. Three or four year contract and how many progressive commercials? Uh, at least like a hundred different that's, ones. That's over, the, the problem. Over the next three to four years. Exactly. Commercials. Exactly. The problem I have with him like being good is he's going to be in every goddamn commercial again next year. Yeah, that, I don't know, man. Like it, for a while, it, it made me like really despise Aaron Rodgers, which I still kind of do, for whatever <laughs> reason. But um, like for some reason, it hasn't it hasn't annoyed me yet with Baker. It might though. It definitely might. It it might trend that direction soon. Next next season probably. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, he'll be in fucking progressive State Farm guy. Cal, he'll be in all the insurance companies. Um, <laughs> Oh, let's stay in the AFC East. Um, I want to get to your boy, Lamar Jackson. I want to get to Josh Allen. Um, kind of a weird game, you know, up in Buffalo. It's cold. The wind's howling. Justin Tucker, who's usually Mr. Automatic for the for the Ravens, missed two field goals. The Buffalo Bills kicker missed two field goals. Kind of a sloppy game all around. Um, I, I think it was pretty close until Lamar Jackson throws that pick six. Um, the Ravens' offense only scored three points, obviously. You know, they probably could add a couple more field goals in there. But um, kind of astonishing in that offense that to go up there in a playoff game, they only score three points. Um, Lamar Jackson, uh, I think this is becoming a narrative every year, seems to not come up big or to come up short, I should say, in a, in a big spot in the playoffs. Did it once again this year. Buffalo is a, is a fantastic team. I think um, everyone was kind of picking them to win as it was anyway. But, you know, if, if you would have told me that Lamar Jackson would have thrown a pick six when he was like at the 10 yard line and they only scored three points as a total offense, I probably would, wouldn't have believed you. Um, so to me, you know, I guess there's a question of the offensive coordinator, not really being able to scheme up plays in the correct situation. And, you know, B, I, I think Lamar Jackson's a fantastic runner. We, we've said that a million times on this podcast, but has he really developed that passing game that he really needs to become a dual threat? I, I don't think so. Uh, again, I, I'm not really up to snuff on the scheme, and maybe that's on the coaching staff. Maybe that's on the offensive coordinator. But it seems to me that uh, time and time again in big spots, um, when a team is able to effectively take away the run game, uh, they're effectively able to plan um, to take away his biggest strength um, when, when they have to rely on the passing game, especially when they get behind and rely on that downfield passing game. I think 
you know, obviously doesn't bode well for him, doesn't bode well for the Ravens. And uh, they're not a team that's built to come from behind. Uh, you know, you can say what you want about his receivers. I do think he needs a number one receiver. They got a good tight end. They got a good crew of running backs. And uh, to me, if they don't draft an offensive lineman, they're probably drafting a receiver first uh, with their first round pick. But, uh, you know, Josh Allen, hats off to him. Uh, their offensive coordinator didn't call like a run play until like two minutes left in the no, they didn't call run play until uh, this is the first play of the second half, which is pretty insane that they were able to win by only calling like seven run plays total. But to me, I think it's more about Lamar Jackson and, and uh, coming up short once again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You look at it as far as um, I, I think when they got in red zone, you know what, and what down that, that interception was? Cause I, I missed that exact play, but I caught some of this game. I don't remember. I don't remember. I I know that was his first red zone pick in like out of and he has like fifty touchdowns in the red zone. That was his first you know, red zone pick. Yeah, I think that I think that was his I, I might be wrong, but his first pick ever in the in the red zone. But yeah. um yeah, I, I think you know, obviously he didn't do nearly enough to, to put them in a position to win. You know, you're not gonna win like any game in the NFL three to nothing. So um yeah, that being said, I mean really if, if Justin Tucker makes those kicks, it's nine nothing. But still, I that's not enough. You know, it's single digits in a playoff game. That that's not going to work. But um, I I don't know. As far as you know, when I talked to a couple of Ravens fans, they, they were they were basically calling for uh, Greg Roman to to be gone. I, they said oh, yeah. that they didn't mix the the run and the pass very well. I think on that particular drive too, it, you know, there was just a lot of criticism of the play call. But, you know, you watch that play, the guy kind of slides right in the middle of the field and anticipates it. And, and really, he didn't even have to move too much to, to get that pick. So, you know, hats off to Lamar Jackson for winning his first playoff game. But, you know, you got to you got to at least come up a little bit bigger in this game. You got to make it you got to make it a game. At least that's that's where I would have the problem with him. That's where I would be frustrated as if I was a Ravens fan in this situation. Um, you know, not to say that Lamar Jackson is bad by any means, but now I think he's going into, um, you know, contract negotiations with them. That, that's another situation where the guy is a hell of an athlete, but do I trust him to, to get me over the hump and, and get me to the Super Bowl? I'm not sure. Um, I've never been the biggest fan of Lamar Jackson as far as, you know, a franchise guy. Um, I think he's a very, very good player, very good athlete, obviously. Um, but you know, he came up short. I, I actually thought that the kid they put in, the, the rookie, Tyler Huntley, didn't play that bit. I mean, granted, he didn't score any points, but, like, he huh. looked kind of sharp for what for what it was. I mean, like, it was a – Yeah, no, I think they have uh, they have another situation, you know, similar to the Brown situation where this guy is now coming off his rookie contract. You're not going to be able to allocate as much money towards maybe the defense, which is still very good. Um, for Baltimore and not going to be able to allocate as much money towards the offensive line, um, towards the wide receiver room and, and other positions of that nature. So, you know, they, they've historically been a team that's drafted well and hit on most of their draft picks. So I have no doubt that they'll continue to be successful uh, depending on and even through what that Lamar Jackson contract looks like. It's just a matter of, you know, can we trust this guy in the playoffs? Can we trust this guy to get, you know, past the Chiefs? Can we trust this guy to get past the Bills? At this point, I'd probably have to say no. Um, I'd have to say no. Like we said, we're, you know, Lamar Jackson is a good player, but he does need to develop that passing game to, to take his team to the next level. But to me, this is, you know, in talking about the Bills as well, I, I do think they kind of going into the playoffs, we, we slotted them along with the Chiefs to be in the AFC Championship game. Obviously, you'd love both quarterbacks to be completely healthy. Um, I think a banged up Patrick Mahomes uh, versus a healthy Josh Allen will be a very good matchup. Um, you know, I, I fully expect Pat Mahomes to play. I fully expect him to be close to hopefully 100%. Maybe he's like 75 <laughs> slots somewhere in there. But, uh, you know, two two defenses that might not be like top five defenses, but also I think are playing very well. Um, you know, to hold the Ravens to, to that little points is, is very impressive. To hold the Browns um, to that amount of points is very impressive. So I think there's two teams playing very sound defensively. And, It'll probably come down to creativity on the offensive side of the football um, to see who wins this game. But maybe I, I'd probably give an edge to, to Kansas City just with their fans in there, 
um, and, and just obviously hosting a home AFC championship game. You're probably going to, you know, have the comfort of your own field and things like that, you know, stay in the comfort of your own home. Obviously, you don't have to deal with COVID protocols that much if you're playing a home playoff game, but it'll be fun to watch. Um, like I said, it'll be great for ratings in the game and, and just entertainment value if Mahomes is actually ready to play. But Again, we'll we'll have to see what happens, and uh, you know I have to I have to think they'll give him some some uh, magic elixir uh, to magically cure him come Thursday or Friday. <laughs> yeah, I'm interested in that game. I I would love personally to see the Bills pull it off. Uh, I'm kind of you know I've always rooted for the underdog, and and you know now Kansas City is such a powerhouse, so I I would love to see the Bills pull it off. I, I'm still uh hesitant to like if I were to make a pick for that game I, I'm probably picking the Chiefs but you know yeah. I, I would love to see you know at least go down to the wire um I hope Josh Allen has a good game I, I just want it to be like back and forth and, and just fireworks like you know 40-yard bomb here 60-yard bomb like I just I'd love to see that I think if you're Buffalo you got to obviously keep keep the Chiefs off the field as much as possible I mean just watching the game this week and I don't really get to watch a whole lot of Kansas City, but I turned, you know, I watched just because it was a playoff game. I watched it this week, and it's just amazing how fast they get down the field. And like, you know, you throw two or three passes to Tyreek Hill, and, and the yards after catch that guy can uh, is capable of. It's just like it's a video game out there for them. It's it's just, and you know, you got everybody covered, and then and then Mahomes will take off for a good 10, 15 yards with no problem. So it's just so hard to defend. It's so hard to keep up with. And it's so hard to, to play four quarters with that team. But I, I hope it's – I just hope for a good game. Yeah, I, I think no matter what, we're going to get a good game. Um, we'll get into some coaching hires and some coaching care self-talk in a little bit here. But Brian Dable, offensive coordinator of the Bills, would you be happy if he goes to the Eagles? Uh, I'm I'm sort of – I wouldn't be upset, but I, that wouldn't be like my, my first pick. But – um, you know, it wouldn't be, I don't think it would be a bad hire. I just, I don't know a ton about him other than just the success he's had up there. But, um, if you're, uh, some, some Eagles fans will remember that, that their coach, Sean McDermott was, I, I believe at least our offensive coordinator. I know he was a, a coordinator on our team or a, a position coach, uh, on our team, but you know, he's, he's doing his thing in Buffalo. He's, he's got them, you know, all in. And, and the thing about Buffalo is, and even Kansas City, like you mentioned, they're, they're they're playing so good on both sides of the ball that like if you if you look at Kansas City a couple of years ago, they were trash on defense. They could just outscore you. Now you're starting to see their defense even be a, a problem. Their defensive line, their their front four, and, and really the same for Buffalo. So it, it is a, a pretty interesting matchup. But you know, I would love to see obviously the the Chiefs offensive coordinator. I, I'd I'd rather have him than the uh, the Bills. But you know, we'll see. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, certainly would be better than Josh McDaniels. We'll get into that for sure. But <laughs> let's move over uh, to the NFC. I think uh, we got to talk Brady and Breeze. I think this game obviously went, you know, this game obviously goes to Tampa Bay and Brady. But I think it's more about how how Breeze uh, played than how, how, how Brady played, I think, at this point in his career. Uh, Breeze is obviously pretty limited in what he can do out there. He really can't throw the football more than – you know, 30, 40 yards on the field significantly limits them as an offense, can't move out of the pocket, things like that. Um, Brady certainly played well, certainly did what he had to do to win their run game. Um, was fantastic. But give me some takeaways from this game. Um, and it, is this the last we've seen of, of Drew Brees? Yeah, I would never – I never thought I'd see a day where, where Brees is limited. I thought he would be one of those guys that he would just, you know, kind of leave on his terms or, or even get to another Super Bowl before he calls it quits. Uh, but just kind of was sad out, sad to see that, sad to see, you know, a couple of those interceptions were, were poorly underthrown. I mean, like pretty, pretty poorly underthrown. I mean, just to say the least. So um, that, I think if you're Drew Brees, you probably hang it up. I mean, knowing Drew Brees, you know, not knowing him, <laughs> I don't know him whatsoever. I know, I know him well. He, he would, he would agree with you. <laughs> uh, yeah, Dan, Dan talks to him on a weekly basis. I'm not, I'm not as connected with the game. I, I need a better Twitter account, I think. But, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think he's starting to realize. I mean, obviously, he knows that his best days, I, I would say, are behind him. Maybe, maybe he makes one more season uh, out of out of it. But I, I don't know, man. It, it was just, it's sad to watch. 
I almost think like ever since that that lung injury, he hasn't been the same. I just early in the season, I didn't think he looked bad, and then it just seems like ever since then he's been not not quite the guy, not quite the same at all. And you know, when, I'll, I'll I'll quote Skip Bayless on on this one that you know there's one guy I don't bet against in sports, and that's Tom Brady, and, and you kind of see that resonate one more time. Um, obviously, getting to the the NFC Championship game, and it's just it's absurd that this guy can at 43 just find his way through these situations. And, and at this point, I'm going to say it's a little bit lucky because during the regular season, the saints beat them twice. And then all of a sudden the saints get to the playoffs and can't, can't beat them. So my hat's off to Brady, but at the same time, it's like this guy really, he, he's always in a position where he, he has a little bit of luck. It seems like. Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, Todd Bowles has that defense in a good spot. Um, not to say that the Saints defense is bad because they, they were the number two ranked defense this, this year, I believe. But, um, you know, Taysom Hill was out. You saw Jameis Winston throw that long ball, I think. Um, you can just tell that when Breeze is in there, that offense is so limited. You really didn't see um, too many flashes of Camara since they were loading the box um, basically all day. And, and the, the linebackers for the Buccaneers play exceptional. Um, I think you really have to give it to them. I do think they go up to – they go up to Green Bay and get smacked, but, um, you know, we'll get to that here in a second. So, yeah, I, th I think uh, at the end of the game, um, you know, Breeze and, and Brady kind of came together and um, had a few words for each other. And even after they got changed, it came back out to the field and their kids were um, playing a little bit out there. So I think to me that just kind of signals the end of an era for a great quarterback in, in Drew Brees. Um, we'll certainly see him. I think he's going to be um, you know, taking uh, what's his face's spot on on, on NBC, uh, Chris Collinsworth's spot on NBC. Um, so we'll certainly see more of him. But you know, in terms of the NFL and his playing career, I do think it's over. It's kind of insane to me that um, they've only gotten one ring um, with Breeze and Peyton. But you know, um, you could argue if you're a Saints fan that they've gotten shafted a couple years. And you know, you know, five six years ago, that was just basically Breeze carrying the team on his back and. Uh, they really had no defense to speak of. I feel like now it's kind of um, the other way around. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. I feel like Brees has, you know, been in the NFL basically my entire um, NFL fandom. But to see a guy that retires is pretty surreal. But um, certainly a Hall of Fame career and, and nothing nothing to, to shake your head at. No, yeah, we can uh, we can definitely get into that that matchup because that to say they're going to get smacked, man. I don't know. I don't, I don't want you to eat your words later. I don't, I don't want you to, but Hey, you might be right. I don't know. I, this might be I, think, I mean, I think just going up into the cold, it's probably in the snow. Uh, Tom Brady's never played in cold weather in his career. I'm just kidding. Uh, most, <laughs> uh, I, I do, I do think that, you know, that, that home field advantage in Lambeau is certainly uh, interesting. It's the first NFC championship game at home for Aaron Rodgers in his career, which is crazy to think about. Uh, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams. Uh, I know um, Bakhtiari, their, their left tackle, is out for the season. But uh, just the way cerebrally that Rodgers is playing right now, they got Lazard, who's a speedster. Valdez Scantling, you know, has, you know, is terrible at, in, at catching the football. But he might be one of the fastest players I've ever seen in the NFL. And then they have that, that tight end, Tunyon, who kind of came out of nowhere this year, but has double-digit touchdowns for them this season. So, uh, you know, on paper, they really don't have that many weapons outside of Jones and, and Adams, but just the way uh, Rodgers is, is able to command that offense, I think their head coach, uh, LaFleur, certainly has, uh, you know, some credit due his way um, for how he's able to operate with Rodgers in that offense. But, yeah, I, I do think that a lot of people have been sleeping on them. I, I think the Bucks have a better defense than, than the Packers do. But to me, I, I think you just go with – you go with Aaron Rodgers at this point, playing a lot better than Tom Brady is right now, and, and you kind of go with home field advantage. But um, that might be kind of taking analytics. It's kind of taking the scheme out of that pick, but that's just my gut feeling, and we'd love to get your thoughts as well. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I see why you go that way. Um, if I'm picking this, I just have like a kind of a, not a bad feeling because I don't really have a horse in this race at all where, like, I, I could care less about Aaron Rodgers. I could care less about – you know, Brady winning another one, but I, it's just so hard for me to bet against, like, like Skip Bayless said, it's so hard for me to pick against Brady at this point, just because just when you think he's, he's screwed or he, he's done for or whatever, he's off the cliff, like Max Tillerman said three years ago, oh, um, God. Uh, he, he finds a way to win. Like he is, 
you know, it reminds me of Jeter. Even in his last season, he wasn't – Jeter wasn't Jeter, but he still came up with a, you know, game – I think the last game he ever played was a walk-off against – against the Orioles or the last uh, home oh, yeah. home Yankee game. So oh, yeah. it's just one of those guys where, you know, you turn the lights on and, and he find, figures out a way to win or, or put himself in a position to win or at least be close. So I, I just don't – I never – I've told you this before. I, I don't trust – like Aaron Rodgers is kind of like Paul George to me in the playoffs. It's just like where where's that guy at? Can't find him. Playoff P. Playoff, playoff. P. Um, so I don't know. At, playoff P. You, you bring up an interesting point. Uh, you know, they are playing in Lambeau. That is, uh, I would say, an advantage for uh, for Rodgers, obviously. But I, I still I have a feeling in the, in the pit of my stomach that Tampa Bay somehow f- finds a way to pull this game out. And, and Aaron Rodgers once again chokes. And probably the most talented quarterback to, to not really win a whole bunch of Super Bowls, you know, that, that could sum up his career if he doesn't get another one at this point. Um, but I, I, at the same time, it's one of those games I would not be surprised if the Packers pull it off, them being at home, like you say. And, uh, you know, Rodgers, I think, has has proven to a lot of people, like, as, as soon as they made that draft pick, he was like, you know, hold my beer real quick. Let, you know, I'm still Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Let me, let, me, uh, let me play pissed off. Let me play motivated. Let me play like this is my team. So I think he definitely has a lot of that in the back of his head. It's just can he execute in prime time and when the pressure's on? I've seen Brady do it year in and year out. I'm not sure if Rodgers can do it, obviously, but it'll be interesting. I think Tampa Bay's defense will play a huge role in this game too. If they can get a turnover or two out of the Packers, I think it's all off to the races for Tampa Bay at that point. But if Rodgers goes out, you know, maybe throws four touchdowns, no no picks, they have a great chance of winning. It's really anybody's game, and – once again, that'll be an interesting matchup to to see that happen. Hey, I, I've been I've been betting against Brady my entire life, and I, I'm not about to stop now. So uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go with consistency here and, and bet on Aaron Rodgers. But this is we'll move on to some coaching stuff. This is a hot take. Uh, I think the Rams should move on from Jared Goff. I wholeheartedly agree with that statement. Wholeheartedly. All right, it, it'll be tough. Some, we talked about before, similar lengths of contract. But let's get to the coaching carousel. Uh, the Jets hired Robert Sala. Salah, I'm not too sure how to say it. He hasn't had his press conference yet. I, I we'll try to get that right. Um, but he was defensive coordinator for uh, the 49ers for three years. Um, back in 2017, Kyle Shanahan hired him. Um, he's had a top-10 defense ever since, had a top-10 defense this year, even though they lost Nick Bosa. Um, they lost – I'm blanking on some other people's names. They lost to Forrest Buckner. Um, they had a lot of injuries throughout the, throughout the season, but um, we were able to still be an effective defense, obviously, with an aging Richard Sherman and some cornerbacks that were out as well. Uh, seems to be a guy that is high energy, uh, motivator, teacher, uh, a motivator of men, which is the anti-Adam Gase, as Aaron and I were talking about off air. Uh, he's going to bring a lot of his offensive staff with him from the 49ers, which is awesome because I love – that Shanahan system, that's the same system the Rams run as well. Um, kind of a wide zone spread you out, you know, verts uh, bunch to get into, you know, some X's and O's talk, which obviously I'm not good at <laughs> since I'm stuttering and, and not being able to find my words. But I, I love that offensive system. I think um, no matter who they go out and get as a quarterback, whether it's, you know, they package for Deshaun Watson or they, you know, draft someone or, I mean, God forbid, even if they keep Darnold, I think he'll have a better year than he did last year just because of that system. So, from all accounts, this is a great hire. I do think the fan base is um, ex- exceptionally optimistic just because they're happy that um, it's anybody but Gase. Uh, you really won't know how this guy does until we get in training camp, get in preseason, get into the regular season. So, now we're just focused on, okay, uh, which which coaches can he bring to build a diverse staff? It's I think that's an underrated part of the NFL. I think if you get the head coaching hire right, um, that's obviously a fantastic step in the right direction. But that coach then needs to bring a correct and competent staff with him, or else he won't be successful because it takes a lot of people, a lot of smart people under one roof um, to coach a good football team. And I think that does start and stop with the head coach. But at the end of the day, if they can't recruit good coaches to the team, you're only as good as your weakest link. So. With that being said, um, hopefully he can bring some other free agents with him as well. I was reading an article that the 49ers have 40 
free agents this year, which is insane. Uh, hopefully we can grab an edge rush or maybe a cornerback um, from San Francisco, maybe a couple guys that are good locker room guys, maybe Richard Sherman for a year. I wouldn't hate that. Uh, he's like 33, 34, I think, and you can't really cover that well. But uh, I would take him just as a locker room guy, uh, to be honest with you. I'm not a big fan of him just because of his antics, but um, he's kind of a guy that if he's on your team, I think you're a fan of him. Um, and again, just provide that leadership that's been lacking uh, the past, you know, honestly, 10 years um, for the team. But again, it's a, it's a good hire. I think uh, I would tell you if it wasn't a good hire, he was, you know, when they were going through interviews, he was the first guy they brought in for a second interview. They had him in the building for a day and a half and they let him go. Um, then they interviewed Arthur Smith for a second time. They let him go to bring back Robert Sala. Um, who is actually coming back from his Eagles interview. He came back to the Jets and um, signed his contract. So pretty interesting guy. Um, he actually got into coaching because his brother um, was actually in one of the towers um, during the 9-11 attacks. He's able to get out and be safe from it. But that whole incident and kind of that scary time in his family and his personal life kind of, um, you know, said, hey, I need to get out of my day job. He was working as a financial analyst. I need to get away from this desk job and go back into something I love, which is coaching. Um, so that kind of spurned his career. And, and 20 years later, he's in the NFL and um, has his first coaching gig. So to me, a uh, good hire on paper. We'll see what kind of staff he can build out and uh, how we can galvanize this franchise because we certainly need to be galvanized by somebody. But um, that's those are my two cents, Aaron, and we can get to the Eagles now if you want. Yeah, sure. No, I'll, I'll, I'll echo kind of what you said. I, I think they, they made a good hire. I think you, you bring it up. He's a high-energy guy. Every time I would see the 49ers on TV, it seemed like that guy would, would be, uh, you know, front center on, on all the cameras. And, and he's always he's always clapping, jumping around. Like he just always seems to be full of energy. He's not he's not the type of guy to stand there and, and just, you know, be vanilla, have no personality. I think I, I every time I look at that guy, it looks like he's like like maybe he himself is, is hitting the weights as well. That guy looks oh, yeah. like Jack to me. So my, my, I, my head coach could kick your head coach's ass any day of the week. Hey, I mean, I, I just hope he can kick our GM's ass and like into a submission, <laughs> into a concussion. So, uh, but uh, no, yeah, all, all jokes aside, I, I think, uh, I think it's a good hire. I, I think the 49ers defense has, has been very good under, under him and they've always played, they've always played very physically uh, and, and they've always kind of enforced their will. Every time you know I, I see teams play the 49ers, it was, it was always an issue. So I, I think they made the right hire. And just based on – this might sound foolish, but just looking at that guy, like just simply looking at him, I, he looks like the type of guy that not to not put up with any type of bullshit. I don't know if that's just going off on a limb. But, um, you know, I, I feel like he's definitely – he's a, the type to, to be a leader and, uh, you know, to have it his way or the highway, I, I would say. But that's just me taking a guess. Um, but – Hey, I, I think they made the right decision, and and I think it'll make them at least they'll they'll play with a lot more heart and be a lot more physical going forward. Hundred percent agree. We just need an identity. We need a face of the franchise who who the players can get behind. And I think we found our guy. Um, we found our guy. But but a team out there who's still looking for their guy is is the Philadelphia Eagles. Aaron, why don't you give us the backstory of um, of why the Eagles were able or why the Eagles came to the decision to finally fire Doug and, and kind of give us uh, some of your perspective on where we stand with their coaching search. Yeah, so that is interesting in the fact that, you know, they, their, their, uh, their owner actually uh, made, came out and made a quote at the press conference saying, basically, long story short, if we don't find our guy right now, that's okay. If we don't find him by the summertime, that'll be okay. Like, it's just like they have no urgency right now, it seems like, which I absolutely hate. Um, I don't know. I, I hear all these, these rumors and I hear all the, all the, the rumor mills are going, are going crazy over Josh McDaniels right now. Um, I would think that I would, me personally, I hate that the idea of Josh McDaniels being the coach didn't like him in, in Denver. I think he's a smart guy. I think he's a good coordinator. I don't think he's a, even a, a good head coach in my opinion. Um, other than that, I think uh, what was it? Arthur Smith was the guy from Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I was interested in, in that in that potential scenario with him going to the Eagles, but obviously uh, the Falcons scooped him up. Another team that's desperately needing 
uh, some type of success as the Atlanta Falcons. But uh, I don't know, man. I, I'm kind of – I'm all in for – and you have to remind me of his last name. It makes me sound very incompetent on air. But uh, the Chiefs offensive coordinator, I can never remember his name. Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, I'm all I'm – all, thank you, uh, Daniel, and, and the research department didn't help me once again. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, no, I think uh, I think that would be uh, an interesting scenario. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have any problems with with them scooping him up. Uh, how how easy is that going to be? I'm not sure. Obviously, the Chiefs are still fighting for another Super Bowl. They probably have to wait till you know whatever happens with their you know playoff run and, and Super Bowl run to to really get a crack at him. But uh, there has been reports that. Andy Reid wants the best for him. He wants, uh, you know, if that guy gets offered a job with the Eagles, it's reported, quote unquote, reported that, you know, he wants him to, to do what's best for his career and, and do what's best for him personally. So I would love to see that. I think, you know, obviously he's probably learned a whole lot from Andy Reid. Andy Reid had a whole lot of success in Philly. So I, I'd love to see that higher personally. But other than that, man, it, it, there's been a, a slew of names that, I have no interest in, in even uh, going forward with. Like, Kellen Moore would be a horrible hire. Um, you know, once again, Josh McDaniels, that's not a good choice in my opinion. And then, um, you know, it, it just goes down and down from there. There's been so many names thrown out there. Obviously, you know, they interviewed Robert Salah or Salih or whatever you want to say. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Jets end up with him. So, I really don't know which direction they're going. I, I try not to pay attention to it too much, uh, just due to the fact that it's Josh McDaniels, Josh McDaniels, Josh McDaniels, and, and that really makes my stomach churn when I hear that name. Yeah, and I agree. I think uh, we, we talked about it a little bit on air, but his time in Denver was was uh, something to, to, to be undesired, I, I would say, if I'm looking at that you know resume as an Eagles fan. Um, you know, I think it's interesting. I think a lot of the good candidates that, that are in this cycle are, are hired, but there are a few guys like the enemy, uh, like Brian Dable, like a couple of deep coordinators out there that they certainly can grab their hands on if they just remain patient. I, I think the enemy is your best bet, um, you know, just within that. Andy Reid's system, obviously the Eagles are, are pretty familiar with it, but to get a guy like that, I, I think not only are you getting a good offensive mind, you're also getting a guy that um, will be a good leader and a good face of the franchise and, um, and honestly, if the Jets would have hired him, I would not have been upset at all. I think um, he, he is a great – I mean, they interviewed him too. It's just I think timing kind of screwed him over with him obviously still playing right now. I think that gave him a disadvantage for um, some of the vacancies in these teams wanting to move pretty quick. But, um, it's yeah, it, it certainly is alarming to hear Larry say that, you know, they're going to cast a wide net and maybe wait, you know, a few weeks potentially before they hire someone. As, as a fan, I think I would definitely want, want to hire a guy as soon as possible to get – you know, staff together and, and, you know, really get a plan for the offseason in terms of, okay, what do we want to do with Wentz? What do we want to do in the draft, free agency, cap space, all that good stuff. So I can definitely feel your pain. Um, you know, it's it's also unfortunate for Doug. I think he's a nice guy. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, change was probably necessary, especially after that last game, um, that whole tanking debacle. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, Aaron will keep us updated, you know, as we kind of progress on – who they're looking at, who's interviewing, who's going back for a second interview. And I'll tell you right now, if they hired Kellen Moore, I don't know if we're going to have a podcast anymore because Aaron might uh, burn the entire <laughs> Eagles organization down to the ground. Yeah, I might end up in federal state, federal prison for that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know, you, you pretty much touched on all the all the good points there. I think, you know, they can't, they can't screw this up just like how you bring up the Jets, the, the Jets. I don't think screwed that up at all. I think they got a guy that will at least change the way they play the game, change the way they go about preparing for the game. Where you know, if the Eagles, <laughs> if the Eagles find find themselves in a situation where they don't have a a coach by the summertime, I think they're in a whole world of hurt. And I think to even to make that statement as as Jeffrey Lurie did was absolutely uh, mind boggling, and and the fact that their GM is still there is mind boggling as well. But I kind of – I was shocked when they when they pulled the trigger on Doug. I, I would have gave him one more year, me personally. But I, from what I hear uh, through the rumor mills and everything, which you got to take a grain of salt too. But, um, you know, basically Jeffrey Lurie asked 
Doug Peterson, what's your plan going forward? He wanted to give Press Taylor, one of the offensive, uh, one of the offensive guys in his camp, more more ability to call plays. Uh, from what I understand, Jeffrey Laurie isn't impressed at all with what Press Taylor brings to the table, and they they went elsewhere as as far as you know, the the relationship fell out, and and you know they'll have a new coach going forward. Sounds like Larry needs to needs to stop meddling in the organization. I think Doug was just sick and tired of being told what to do, but that's just probably. an outsider's perspective. That's probably true too. There's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot of factors, and I think you know we'll never know the the full story. But I don't think they're as much as Jeffrey Lurie says they're they're great family friends. I don't know if I actually believe that. But. <laughs> great family friends until he stabs you in the back. <laughs> Did we miss anything, Aaron? What else did we want to touch on tonight? Uh, I mean, we could we could talk about the circus. It's the Brooklyn Nets, or oh yeah, go for it. Get into it. Uh, you know, obviously Kyrie being Kyrie, kind of disappears off the face of the earth. Um, what seven games he missed? I think. I believe. Seven, don't quote me on it. Uh, it's not like the Nets really missed him anyway. Uh, but you know, obviously James Harden being uh, frustrated with his situation and. In Houston, uh, found his way out of there, got to the Brooklyn Nets, uh, which was extremely interesting to me. I didn't think that was going to happen, uh, at least this early in the season. But now they got, you know, maybe a big three up there in Brooklyn. If you you tie Kyrie into that, obviously Kyrie's going to have to show up and, and actually be there for team activities if you want to put a, a big three title on them. But nevertheless, it's, uh, you know, KD, James Harden, and Kyrie on the same team. And that's pretty exciting to to at least hear about and uh, watch going forward here. Yeah, it's uh, you know obviously Harden and, and Durant played together back in OKC. Uh, I was reading a stat that like they're three of the top ten most ball dominant players in the NBA. So obviously you only have one ball on the, on the court at a time. Uh, I think if it's if it's Harden and Durant out there, or if it's Kyrie and Durant out there, uh, they won't have an issue. But you know when all three of them are out there at the same time. Um, I'd have to think there might be some sort of issue. And to me, um, you know, if you don't get a championship in the next one to two years, it's an utter fail. Um, they either are giving the Rockets their first round pick or have a pick swap with the Rockets for the next eight years, I believe. Uh, I think every other year, <laughs> wow. which is between pick and pick swap. Uh, so that's pretty alarming. Um, I think obviously if you get a title, you can justify that trade for sure. But um, if you come away empty in the next two to three years when these guys, you know, will probably start to decline, at least Harden will, you know, Harden Durant, probably the first guys to decline there. Um, obviously both of them with, you know, some injury history, but you know, if, if you don't come out with the title, you know, either this year, next year, um, or the year after, I have to take a look at their contract situation specifically um, to see when all of them, all their month, all their deals run out. But I think it'd be a colossal fail and, and maybe a second coming of that Paul Pierce, um, KG trade and obviously those guys are well past their prime um, and uh, you know obviously not as good as Durant, Harden, and Kyrie is uh, or, or still are I should say um, so to me you know hopefully Steve Nash can, can figure that out it's certainly a tall task I certainly wouldn't want to be a coach of that team um, trying to figure out who gets the ball and in, in which situation you know to me games on the line I think all three of those guys are alpha dogs and all three of those guys are going to want the ball um, there's already been some conflict I think between um, you know, Kyrie and Durant on who gets the ball in those situations and you add in Harden, I think that's even uh, more of an interesting point in there and, and more of probably a wrench into Steve Nash's plans. But again, like Harden got his wish. I think he forced his way out of Houston and wanted to go to the Nets. So I think he kind of did his thing and did what he had to do. You know, unfortunately, I think it takes away another potential good team um, in the NBA and just makes the league more top heavy than it already was. And, you know, if you're a fan of the NBA, if you're a dire fan of basketball, maybe that's how you like the league. It's obviously, obviously a little different in the NHL, the MLB and, um, the NFL with obviously more parity, you know, kind of going through, through those leagues. But, you know, if you like the drama, if you're a fan of these superstar, you know, star-studded teams is probably a trade for you. But if you're like me and, and want to see some of the teams, you know, maybe in a, in a lesser market um, or smaller market do well, then probably isn't a trade for you. So I'm rooting for chaos on this. I think there are going to be a lot of storylines coming out of this you know, in, the, in the coming months. And 
Um, you know, Kyrie leaving the team, uh, you know, probably not the last time that's going to happen if I, if I was a betting man, but uh, it'll, be, it'll be fun to see, if anything. Yeah, I think, I think all three of those guys on the same team, like the, you talk about personalities like that, that is like maxed out on how much personality can be on one team. I mean, you got Kevin Durant, who I, I am a Kevin Durant fan, but at the same time, I, I can admit that he gets – I know he gets butthurt about what people say about him on social media. So you got that. You got Kyrie, who half the time, I don't even think if he knows he's a human being because he just kind of like is out there. I don't know what goes through his brain half the time. And then you got a James Harden where uh, just doesn't really seem to be content uh, long-term anywhere or, you know, just content in general if he doesn't have the ball a lot or, or the majority of the game. So, um you know, it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out. I mean, obviously, the, those players have an enormous amount of talent uh, individually, but can they put it together collectively? I'm not sure. Um, but it definitely makes the Eastern Conference more interesting, I would say, at this point. Um, but but it's, it's it, I think it'll be a circus, like, like Dan kind of alluded to. I, I think to keep all those guys on the same page will be incredibly difficult. And then you got Steve Nash, obviously a, a former player and, and just out of the league not not too long ago to to really hold those guys accountable. I don't I don't know how well that'll be, that'll go for him for the organization, but um, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see it see how it plays out. And I think with those guys playing together, it'll be interesting to watch. But it's almost like a it, it reminds you of like an all star team on you know the starting lineup, which I I myself I'm not a big fan of that either. I like when the when the league has more options as far as who the good teams are and it's spread out more but you know it is what it is and, and hopefully it's just exciting to watch going forward yeah no 100 percent um and, and that's we'll, we'll take you home guys i think that was a, a nice chunk of, of an episode here but we'll certainly be back next week um talking some championship weekend uh you know recaps and, and previewing the super bowl matchup hopefully next week knock on wood aaron gets a coach um, we can talk about the Eagles coach and things like that. We can further build out, you know, the Jets coach as well. The Sean Watson uh, situation, Houston is one to monitor as well. The Jets can offer him, offer them a pretty nice package if he is serious about getting out of Dodge there. Um, but yeah, Aaron, why don't you uh, take us home tonight? Yeah, I'm excited to see these uh, next couple playoff games and, and get in route to the Super Bowl. Um, hoping for, for a Bills win just for the hell of it to make it a little more interesting and then really the Green Bay Tampa Bay game I could care less honestly but um, yeah just excited excited for the Super Bowl here not too long and uh, we'll look forward to, to bringing you another episode love it take us home